Hello, Linux fans. Welcome to episode 10 of Destination Linux, where we discuss Linux news, reviews, and anything else fun or interesting in the Linux world. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Rocco. And this is Destination Linux. Hi, Rob. Hey, Rocco. How are you? I'm doing okay, man. I'm making it. Ah, good to hear. Good to hear. Anything going on in the Linux world your way? Well, um, I just got done taking the 4,333 takes on a video that I made for KDE. And after the last one, it was... A-okay, so it came out okay. <laughs> well, listen, I happened to watch that video, and I think you did an excellent job, and I think it's going to be a big help to anyone interested in KDE. So way well, to go, I think man. It's, I think it's a great feature, man. Uh, the look and feel themes definitely need uh, some improvement to help out with getting more look and feel themes. You know, you always want to be able to... Um, do it in one click, basically. You want to be able to change your theme so that I mean, we talk about that before with with when you you run GNOME and you you know you switch the theme and everything just changes, and that's something that KDE definitely needs. So I think it's a great thing. Well, I agree with you absolutely. So what's going on in your world? Well, I've had some fun lately. I've started a new um, series, if you want to call it that, on uh, Linux Quest. Uh, called Gnome Quest. Yes, I'm very original. Uh, <laughs> so, but no, I've had fun with Gnome Quest because there's, you know, there's so much within Gnome as far as extensions, and it's, you know, Gnome is still kind of a discovery process for me somewhat because you've got all those extensions and things. I'm just, you know, there's so many, um, and then there's still other settings and tweaks and things that I'm still experimenting with, and so I've started a series where I kind of focus in on some of those things. Uh, you know, as well as extensions. And it's been fun because already viewers are uh, sharing with me their favorite extensions. And some of them are just like, wow, how, how could I not have known that extension was available? So, uh, so kind of having fun getting into that. And I don't know how far I'll go with this, uh, but something tells me I could go for quite a while because as you start digging into all of these extensions, plus there's some updates on the horizon. Yep. Uh, so kind of excited about it, and it's fun. Well, I watched the watched watched. I watched <laughs> the first couple, and uh, they're absolutely awesome. I mean, like you. you did the first one uh, with the tweak tool, which is something that every GNOME user needs to have. I mean, there are some distributions that don't come with it installed, and I think that's a complete huge mistake. Oh, I but, know. I mean that is a must-have, and the first extension that you did was um, the doc to you know, dash to doc, doc. Dash to doc. I'm a little backwards today. Uh, <laughs> the dash to doc, and that is, I think, the most important extension that's in GNOME right now. I would agree. I mean, between those two, without those two, let me put it that way. I would not. I mean, if they weren't available, they weren't around. <laughs> I would not be using GNOME right now. So. It'd be hard pressed for most people to use GNOME without that stuff in it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, do we have anything uh, going on in the form of Linux news, Rocco? Rob, there's always Linux news going on. It's amazing. It just comes out day after day. So the one that excited me the most was the release of, or not the release yet, the announcement of the AMD Ryzen chipset. So. AMD has come out with a new line of three separate processors, and the first one being the 1700, which is $329, and the 1700X, which is $399, mm-hmm. and then there's the 1800X for 499 Now, that may seem like a lot for a new processor, but when you compare it to what it's going up against, and it's going up against the best that Intel has to offer. So... Let's take the top of the line to begin with. You got the 1800X that would compare to the i7-6900K. Now, in certain benchmark tests that they did, and I don't know how 
technical they were, but in certain benchmark tests, they got a 9% increase over the 6900K. And that varied from CPU to CPU uh, as far as the tiers were concerned. But not only did they get a 9% increase, but it's only 499 And the Intel 6900K is over $1,000 for Whoa. the CPU. Whoa. That is, an, that is a huge deal. And the same goes down respectively for the 1700X and the 1700. So you could basically get a 1700 for $329. And you, know, you would be comparing that to a processor uh, for Intel. And you would be getting a complete increase for less of a price. I think it's great. Man, this is where competition is good. Because, you know, it seems like, the, I don't know about you, but I used to follow the back and forth, you know, that competition between AMD and Intel. Yep. And I think I owned one machine with uh, AMD because of the cost savings uh, back in the day when I would build my own gaming rigs and everything. Anyway, long story short, that system fried. Um, but but uh, <laughs> I think we've all had systems in the past that have fried. Yeah, that system fried. But anyway, I always kind of pulled for AMD because they were like the underdog. And They were you know, definitely always a little bit behind Intel. Yeah. I think they got ahead once like early 2000 or something, you know, and uh, we're, making, we're making the news waves then, but... You know, this is where competition is good, and it seems like over the last couple of years, the only thing you've heard about is Intel, you know. So to see and this... that's that's uh, for, you know, we that's the way it should be, because Intel has been the top-of-the-line processors. That's very true, very you true. You know, so, I mean, they should get the credit, because they have the processors that are... Now, you're, you'll have your people who love AMD and will never switch from an AMD, and, right. and that's all fine. And AMD... Even the past AMD processors have a place, like for a certain application. You know, like if you're gaming, you may want to get an AMD processor for this specific thing. But overall, Intel has been the top dog. Absolutely. But now to have some new competition as far as performance is concerned with, what, 50% the cost? Some of the... the difference goes down the lower you go. So the lower the tier, the less of a inc- decrease in price. But you're still paying less. And, yeah, $500 difference on the top-of-the-line processor. It's Well, that's great. That'll be one to keep an eye on because when it's released into the real world, then you'll see benchmark tests and things like that, obviously. And then there's the whole thing about Linux support, making sure that, you know, the, the kernel and everything is, you know, being supported. So. Yeah, well, that'll be due out March 2nd, and we'll see how it goes. There, There isn't much out there as far as whether or not uh, it's going to be supported on Linux right away, but I did read an article talking about the the newest kernel, and I don't know if it was 4.10, but something to do with driver support for the Ryzen, so we'll see. So March, you're saying that the... Uh, March 2nd processors? is when it actually releases. Okay, we'll be on kernel 4.22 by then, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of kernel, there is a little bit of kernel news that turned into, I think, more Who's this kernel guy you keep talking about? Sanders, you know. Oh, Sanders, okay. Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) So Linus, uh, kind of early on, I think he made the statement that uh, Linux kernel 4.10 or 1.0, whichever you prefer, uh, was going to be kind of a small release, but it turns out in the end it was more like a medium to large release. And we're going to put a link to all of the details, but I want to hit some of the highlights, Rocco, of all the things uh, within 4.10. So uh, they have implemented fail fast support right back. You like some coffee, Rob? Rob? Man, that smells great, Rocco, but I'm going to pass tonight. All right, all right. I don't have to go to bed right away, so I'm going to have some coffee. You got enjoy, enjoy. So we've got right back follow, uh, throttle, right back following, right back throttling, and uh, AMD GPU DRM driver fixes, as well as AMD Zen Code Mainlight. Uh, for those of you with NVIDIA, you've got NVIDIA DRM driver improvements, as well as Intel Turbo Boost Max 3.0 and Intel cache allocation support. There are new ARM platform support. Intel graphics virtualization support has been uh, improved. 
And I really like seeing this one, uh, Raspberry Pi uh, for the Pi 3 and the Surface 3 uh, has had improved support. And for whatever reason, it seems like I come across a lot of articles where um, people with Surface 3s want to switch over to Linux. Uh, So you've got this, you know, nice hardware that uh, Microsoft designed and built with Windows on it. I just think it's humorous how many people want to switch over to Linux on that. So, uh, so that's a medium release, you know, only 13,000 commits, Rob. Oh, I know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> and it goes on here. You've got encryption support for uh, UBFS, uh, faster LAN, and uh, early Tegra P1 slash Parker support. And like you said, 13,000 commits. Just, just a small little update. Just a small minor update. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Just move on. <laughs> so, so uh, they're already, you know, moving on to four eleven at this point, and uh, it just boggles my mind every time I take time to really read into what's going on on the kernel side of things. And they he's, talk about it like it's, you know, no big deal. These guys are amazing, man. That's all I can say. They're amazing. <laughs> they really are. They really are. So, Rob, are you into VR, virtual reality? I wondered where you were going with that, but virtual reality, yes, I could get into that. <laughs> okay, so um, Valve, uh, the makers of Steam, they are releasing a beta program to support virtual reality on Linux. And cool. it's built on Vulkan, which is the successor, six, it's easy for me to say, successor <laughs> to OpenGL. And again, it's a beta program, but... Um, it's definitely a step in the right direction if you're into virtual reality to get it to be compatible with Linux. Now, me personally, I'm not a virtual reality guy. I'm really not into it. Uh, but you were mentioning before about um, things that maybe go along with the virtual reality headset. Yeah, so uh, I was on a website where, along with the VR, they had this virtual reality vest for gaming. And so the vest had all these pressure points and everything. And so you're wearing your headset and I guess you have virtual guns, perhaps, you know, is the way they were illustrating it. And so, you know, we're wearing our vest and these vests have feedback, haptic feedback. Um, So if I shoot you in the shoulder, you feel it in the shoulder. And I don't know how that all ties into the VR headset part, but just thinking about, you know, we're kind of, it's tip of the iceberg really for this stuff even though it's been around for years now. But you think about how that could all interact and just create a, an entirely whole new level of gaming, which would be kind of fun, you know. And by the time that you were able to go into this giant VR arena, Rocco, and experience all this really cool VR stuff, somebody will be rolling me in a wheelchair to experience <laughs> it. <laughs> now, well, I'm not into VR, but uh, that vest sounds like it would be awesome even without VR. Yeah, uh, just that application for like if you're playing like say, I don't know Battlefield One, and uh, that would be that would add a lot of immersion to the game. So that would be it, awesome. It really would, and you know VR beyond the gaming aspect of it, I think there's so many use case scenarios out there where, uh, as time goes, things we've never even thought of yet. But if you think about the medical field, you know I know it's being used there, uh, space exploration. Uh, there's all kinds of things where VR could come into play, you know, maybe under in construction, just, you know, to where you wanted to get the feel for what a layout, a particular layout of a building would be like, yep. you know, um, lots of use case scenarios that, that are just fascinating. Definitely something to uh, look at. Uh, absolutely. Rocco, I got a question for you, man. Do you know what is worse than a five-year-old root flaw? in Linux. What is worse than a five-year-old root flaw? That would be an 11-year-old root flaw. (laughs) Sounds like it would be worse, Rob. That would be worse, absolutely. So uh, basically, um, here it is CVE 2017-6074, and it's 11 years old. They say it was likely introduced in 2005, where the Linux kernel gained support for the Datagram Congestion Control Protocol, Rocco. That is DCCP for short. 
Rob, I'd much rather hear the data <laughs> datagram congestion control protocol than DCCP. That's too well, easy. DCCP sounds like something you'd catch in a far off jungle or something. Yep. Just, so. <laughs> but this can be exploited locally by using heap spraying techniques to execute arbitrary code inside the kernel. And really what that boils down to, Rocco, is it's just very bad. However, it's already been patched. It's already fixed. So if you're an administrator, just keep an eye out for the kernel updates there. Yep. And there have been a few kernel uh, security vulnerabilities fixed in the last week or two. I've seen a couple articles that came out that said there was like five security fixes here, or seven here. So uh, they're definitely keeping up with it. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of the trend. Well, <clears throat> I think some of it's kind of uh, news baiting or whatever. You know, they'll talk about this new exploit in Linux and you'll go and you'll read about it. And it's like it doesn't affect you unless you've got your laptop open while standing in the bathtub with one leg playing a round of uh, Duke Nukem from, <laughs> from a virtual machine, <laughs> from a virtual machine. That's right. <laughs> That's a little far-fetched. It's definitely um, news bait in some situations. Now, obviously, you don't want to downplay the the severity of it, but definitely some of this has got to go into the – well, that's what news is made out of, you know, the the catchphrase, you know, the line to make you click on it. So, um, as you said, the important point is they're fixing it. That's right. Well, while we're on the subject of threats and uh, danger, danger – so, danger, you, Will Robinson, danger. That's, that's right. Rocco, do you use Chrome as your browser? I do not use Chrome. I have used Chrome, but I use Chromium, which is probably just as susceptible, I would say. Okay. What about, uh, what about uh, have you ever used Chrome within Windows? I have, as okay. a matter of fact. All right. So this is really for people. So there was there's a hack uh, that's come about. And I'll tell you what, the people doing this stuff, Rocco, they're not idiots. I mean, they're coming up with more and more creative ways to get people to infect themselves with malware. And that's essentially what's happening here. So uh, Chrome users, beware, especially in Windows, because there is a new uh, exploit, if you will. And it basically comes in the form of a pop-up, Rocco. And so you get this message in a window that looks just like it would come from Chrome. I mean, it's got the Chrome icon, the colors, Everything about it would make you think, and we'll put a link so that you can see the image. Everything about this pop-up would make you make you think this is coming from Google Chrome. Yep. And it's basically telling you that you've got a missing font. I mean, who who wants a missing font? Things aren't going to look right. You got to right? download it, right? You got you got to download this font, man. So it's an exe. You download this thing, double click it, install it, and you've just infected yourself with malware. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, so likelihood that's going to affect anyone in Linux, slim to none. But I know we have users out there who dual boot. And yep. so uh, actually, let me let me pull back here, Rocco, because the name of the file. So if you have accidentally uh, downloaded a Chrome font version 7.5.1.exe, do yourself a favor and delete that bad boy. Well, like you said, they're getting so good at this. I mean, this is an actual font that's – it's a real font. It's not like they're just making some something up. This is a right. real font that is out in the world that you can that you may have on your system. So you may have even heard of that. So you're like, oh, my gosh, I need this font. Sure, yeah, let me download it. And I thought I lost that font like two <clears> I don't know where ago. I put it, but it's gone, so I might as well download it. <laughs> but, I mean, like you said, I don't think uh, Linux users have anything to worry about. There have been some people who have suggested that it might be a problem if you use Wine, but I, I really don't think there's a big threat here for anybody on Linux. But if you do run Windows, just be aware of it. Absolutely. And, you know, they're getting creative in a multitude of ways, and we don't ever want to be smug and say, oh, we're Linux users. You know, we need to be on guard uh, just as much, especially as our user base grows, uh, you know, arguably we're somewhere between three and 5% right now. So we're probably not much of a target, you know, for some time to come. No, we're not much of a target, but as you stated in the last news item with the 11 year old security vulnerability, you know, yeah, you can't be too smug because it can happen. That's right. Well, Rob, how do you feel about 
long-term support releases. That makes me feel comfortable, actually. I, comfortable. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Comfortable would be a good word. Well, KDE Plasma 5.8.6 has been released for LTS users. So there's over 80 improvements and bug fixes with this release. Now, 5.8.5 was absolutely the most stable Plasma version to date. Like and a rock. It was steady as a rock, okay? And as long as there are no major regressions that are introduced with this latest release, it should just add to its stability. Um, now, I'll, I'm not going to go through the full change log because there are just a ton of different bug fixes, minor here and there, but I did notice that uh, it seems like they're going to be taking out the get new look buttons for in, when you're in the look and feel theme area because apparently it wasn't working properly in 5.8.5, although it is working in 5.9. It's not working in 5.8 properly, so they're just going to remove it. They just weren't feeling it. They just weren't feeling the look. I'm here all night, folks. (laughs) 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 But you know what? You're right. 5.8.5 was just solid on the KDE side of things. And like yourself, as soon as 5.9 was available, you know, we had to jump all over that and had some issues. Uh, both of us did. And then yep. there was a quick update. So if you're still having problems with the 5.9 series, uh, then this new release on the LTS side of things may be the route to go. So, so Rob, what's this I hear about um, convergence and things? Oh, yes. Convergence. Convergence. So um, that is something that's spreading now. There's an antibiotic for it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. No, convergence is something that, you know, Microsoft has talked about for some time uh, with, you know, Windows 10. And and then we've seen Ubuntu kind of go that route. Well, there's a company called Jide, Rocco, uh, J-I-D-E, and they've got an OS they call Remix OS. Now, Jide is kind of a unique company. I think they started out really with some crowdsourcing for a tablet. So they actually make hardware and they've got their OS on the hardware. It's it's a version of Android built for desktop use. So how's that play out? Actually, it's not bad. Uh, You could actually go to Jide's website for Remix OS and download the PC version a remix OS right now and, and really try it out for yourself. But they had a little remix mini, which was a little hockey puck size uh, device that you could plug into a wireless keyboard and mouse. And I had one and I really liked it. The only issue I had with it was it wasn't able to really match the resolution of my monitor. So while I was able to experience the UI and the interaction and everything, it's really not a bad OS. I think it's just going to get better. Well, they've come out with their own operating mobile operating system for phones, and they're actually calling calling it, get this, so it's a ROM with an acronym called ROM, which is Remix on Mobile. <laughs> so they looked up on that one. So it would um, be, be the ROM ROM. The ROM ROM. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. So um, essentially their idea with uh, their ROM is to take the Remix OS in a mobile format and create a conversion device. So imagine this, Rocco. You've got you've got this version of Android running on your phone. Wait, let me put on my virtual reality headset. <laughs> there you go. All right, so picture that. And you're using one of our favorite email apps, which is Bluemail, right? Absolutely best email app out there. So you're using that day in. You're, you're doing all your emails and everything, 435 emails, Per minute, you know, and all that stuff you do. Um, you ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come home at the end of the day and you drop your phone in a dock or connect it to the cable. And all of a sudden, that application, that blue mail application pops up on your full screen monitor. You've got access now to your wireless mouse and keyboard and you're using blue mail in a desktop format. That would be so awesome. I would love to use blue mail on the desktop. So that is the idea behind it. Um, and I really, I'm going to go out on a limb. Um, I think Jide may be able to pull this off. 
and you say to yourself, I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. Microsoft hasn't gotten there yet. Wait, Rob, I'm I'm saying Microsoft hasn't got there. <laughs> <laughs> Canonical hasn't got there. Canonical hasn't gotten there. So how in the world could this company called Jide get there? Well, I think there's a way that Canonical really didn't have access to. And Microsoft could if they would remove the wall from their operating system, which is never going to happen. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. The way they make it happen, Rocco, I believe, is Jide already kind of has a following. If they release this ROM in this Remix OS mobile into, say, the XDA forums for users to install on their phones and try, you'll get, number one, you'll get feedback, you'll get bug reports, You'll get suggestions. And Jide is a company that I believe really listens to their users. Um, And if you go and you check out their website and read through, I think you'll see some of that. But that is very powerful. If you get a, a strong user base and they listen to their users, they've already got the basic platform, which is Android. So they're not having to reinvent, you know, the Play Store. They've right. got immediate access, really, if they work it out correctly. They'll have access to a million-plus apps immediately. So I think I think there's hope there, and I like the idea of the whole convergence thing. I spend more time with my phone than I ever dreamed that I would, and I've got a you know fairly high-end Samsung tablet, and I barely pick the thing up because my phone does so much. Yep. Yeah, well, you don't realize how, you know, years ago, a cell phone just to be used to be a cell phone, and that right. was it. And that's all it did was make calls. But now it's pretty much everything you can do on your computer, you can do on your cell phone, basically. Right. And uh, it does take the place of it. You find yourself using your desktop less. So if you could put them two together, that would be absolutely awesome. It really would. And <clears throat> I don't know. I've always been one who just enjoyed seeing where a company goes with their ideas and you know i'm an android fan and having messed around with the remix os there's potential there you know and would i replace linux with remix os i'm not going to say never uh because there are a ton of fantastic applications within android and if that were able to transfer over into a desktop user's format and work, you got to say that would be tempting, Rocco. I think it would be tempting. I just think there would be a roadblock uh, with people not wanting to use Android. Like a lot of Linux is, you know, all most of Linux is open source. Right. And you have your advocates for that. And although we, uh, we, advocate the same things uh we also don't take a hard stance on that so whatever program works the best whatever operating system works best for you in your particular situation that's what we feel you should run but i think like i said there will be a a, a minor roadblock there for that to work with that just with that just with being based off of android so maybe we would need a remix os os version Maybe. Which would be the remix open source OS. <laughs> Based off of F-Droid. <laughs> Based off of F-Droid, that's exactly right. Yeah. But well, anyway, Robert, interesting. I got some sad news for you, man. I got Uh-oh. some sad news. Oh. Are you ready? I think so. Descent OS, Rob. Descent OS is dead. What? You know the Descent OS that you put on your computer? You mean you the put Descent OS I've never used and don't think I've ever heard of is dead? <laughs> <laughs> that one and the same, Rob. That Descent OS is Rocco, dead. Rocco, I don't know what to say. Uh, condolences. Yes. Condolences are uh, in order here, Rob. Now, <laughs> without <laughs> going too far, uh, we're not making light of the developers' uh, efforts here. I'm uh, not. I'm not. We're we're making uh, we're making fun of the headline actually because the headline is Descent OS is dead. I mean, it's kind of like comical, but anyway, um, Descent OS was first introduced in 2012, and the developer ended up taking like a two-year hiatus, and he ended up bringing back another. He wanted to do another build on it, and when he came back, and there was lack of interest in it. 
which is understandable for it being gone for two years. So yeah. he's dropping that, and he's actually making a new distribution. I don't know how that will take off, but and I don't want to butcher the name, but it's Arcas. Arcas. A A. Be careful how you say that, Rocco. A R K A S O S. So that will be based off of Ubuntu sixteen oh four, and it will be running KDE Plasma five. Well, we wish them the best, and I was kind of racking my brain thinking Descent OS, Descent, and I, you know, I, we talked about it, and we talked to a few other people, and they were like, nah, I'm not so sure I've ever heard. So anyway, it was, but you're right, it was funny that this big announcement that it was dead, and, um, and you know, nobody had heard of it. <laughs> I didn't know it had been born, you know? <laughs> I mean, I want to see much. some, I want to see some high school graduation photos and things like that. I just don't believe it. There's not much of an obituary there, Rob, but it's there. <laughs> okay. All right. So what do we got going on in DistroWatch, Rob? Well, man, we've got so much going on in DistroWatch that there's not really much to talk about, unfortunately. Wow. So, yeah, I know. Wah, wah. But there's a few <laughs> things going on. There's a few things going on. So uh, if you're a Kubuntu fan, there is a beta release for testers, and this is version 17.04, so check that out. Uh, I've tried Kubuntu several times. In fact, that was one of the first distributions that I kind of jumped back into KDE with. Um, and then speaking of KDE, there's another release here with KAOS or Chaos. Uh, 2017.02 is out with Linux kernel 4.9.10, just in time for 4.10 there. But that's the <laughs> way it goes in the Linux world. That's um, the way it is. That's the way it is. And then that's going to have KDE Plasma 5.9.2. So um, that is a nice distro, Rocco. It's very KDE focused. So, you know, if that's what you're into right now, you may want to give KAOS uh, a definite look. So, yep. And then um, this one's for you, Rocco. Um, React OS 0.5, man. So I know yes. you are excited. <laughs> yes. It, so how long look, have you been running 0.4 for the past, what, two or three years now? Three or four years now, I think, Rob. Look, if you're, man, if you want Vista-style formatting on your computer, That's React it. OS is the place to be. That is the one for you. So, you know, I have actually been to their blog and read <laughs> over it a couple times. It's kind of interesting. And then we have uh, Rebellion Linux 3.5. So uh, Rebellion is one of those I almost put in uh, VirtualBox just to check it out. Yeah, uh, I almost? That, almost. I believe that is uh, KDE as well. Okay. And so anyway, if, you, if you're interested in that, um, our friend Sudo Reboot, I believe, did a video review on that. So uh, check out Rebellion on Sudo Reboot's YouTube channel. Okay. All right. Anything else before That's we move it. on? That's it. No. Oh, oh, forgot. What? One other thing. The number one ranked distro this week on Distro Watch is Where's Linux the drum roll? Mint. <laughs> is Linux Mint. Wow, that's great. All right. So I guess that leads us to the YouTube corner, Rob. All right. I like the YouTube corner. corner. So some guy on the YouTube corner, no, seriously, that's his name, some guy, um, made a comment on our last episode, and he said there is a shortage of free BSD and Linux talk shows. Please focus on the technical aspects, not just Window Manager X versus Y or Distro A versus B. So, he wants us to talk about BSD. Okay, I got an idea. Let's change the show name from Destination Linux to Destination BSD. Let's do it. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> BSD is not something that I am real familiar with. I know after... I mean, I know around what it is, but I have no knowledge of it whatsoever as far as technical aspects are concerned. And I really do appreciate the comment and the suggestion. So we definitely want to hear from everybody and what your suggestions are for the show. But our show is not based on a technical merit uh, of technical knowledge on specific things. Okay, our show is a discussion about Linux from two everyday users. Right. So, although 
you know, someday we may get into BSD. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe someday we will. But for right now, the 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 road for our show is just, like I said, a discussion about Linux so that anybody can join the conversation, not just somebody that um, knows all about specific technical terms. Now, there are plenty of shows out there, like Brian Lunduk just did a... Uh, a podcast about BSD and right. the, there was a guy on there stating how, you know, well, Brian posed the question, convince me how to use or why I should use BSD. And the, like I said, there are many other people that are way more uh, technical than I am. I know that. And that have more knowledge about it. So they would be the guys to go to for that specific thing. Absolutely. Rocco. And, and again, I, we do appreciate uh, some guy, uh, commenting and like you, Rocco. I mean, I'm certainly not the most technical guy. There was a time in my life where I would have considered myself technical, but I've I'm at a point now where I've forgotten more than I remember. So, <laughs> so, you ain't so, lying. So, and that's part of what you know when you and I decided, hey, let's do a podcast. And I'm still wondering, Rock, how did we talk ourselves into this? I don't know, man. This is, um... <laughs> but no, we did it. Because you talked we... me into. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we did it because we wanted to have. First of all, what we found was you and I started having these discussions about technology, about Linux, primarily about Linux and what distros we were running and why. And they were evenings where we could have recorded our conversation and bam, there was our podcast. Yep. And we just kind of decided, hey, you know what? If we're going to continue to have discussions like this, just as you said, two average guys who enjoy using Linux, let's put it in a podcast format and see if people enjoy the conversation. And so, that's what we're about. That's what we're about. And, uh, you know, we're on episode 10, which I never even thought that we'd be at episode 10 like this, but. You know, I figured we'd do episode three and say, okay, this isn't working. <laughs> you know, but here we are. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it may change and evolve to where I hope that one day maybe we get more technical guests. But there are certainly uh, podcasts out there with people who do a phenomenal job on the technical side. So, Yep. Well, our show is based on having a discussion. So right. let's have a discussion, Rob. So let's bring in Matt. Matt, how you doing? Good. How you doing, guys? Doing well, Matt. Good to see you. So we're having a discussion on new users coming to Linux and Windows users and Mac users deciding or maybe not deciding, maybe not realizing they need Linux. <laughs> so the question becomes, it's the age-old question of, what do you need to give them to have the, have their journey successful? So what do you suggest for an operating system? Uh, right off, it really depends on the user themselves. Um, you got to look at what they need, their application stack that they need to use, and then where they're coming from. They come from... Mac? Are they coming from Windows? Are they mostly Android or iOS based? You, you kind of got to look at a lot of different things for them. Well, I think that um, for particular users, you have to tailor it to them. For example, I have a, uh, a friend who is not necessarily wanting to switch to Linux, but he had issues with Windows 7 with his hardware and its older hardware. And I suggested, hey, you know, before you throw that out, maybe you should try installing Linux on it. And he was open to the idea, but this is a guy that doesn't know anything about Linux. I mean, you know, we take for granted terms and uh, just words that we use like distro and, you know, repository and stuff that we take for granted. But they have no idea what that is and how to even use it. So where do you start? teaching somebody i think really you uh, if they're just coming into linux personally for me i would say use 
would put them on something that they're somewhat familiar with, like how it operates and that kind of stuff. So if, say, a Windows user, I would probably stick on like an RPM or uh, Debian-based distros because the the here's the 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 exe click and install kind of thing. Um, as far as desktop. I lean more towards Mate because you can kind of morph it into however you want. So if you want that Mac feel, or if you want the Windows Seven feel, you kind of uh, fit either mold for that by using that. Matt, I think you touched on something that that is going to be even more uh, present in the future, and that's the one-click install. And you know, we see Linux addressing that in a multitude of ways. You've got you know software boutiques software centers, um, you know, snaps and flat packs and things like that. Um, but I say that, I, th- I think it's going to be a more important and more people will be looking for that. They're going to be looking for software centers and stores because you think about the millions of young users that are using iOS and Android and the way they know truly to get an application is to go to the Play Store or the apps, App Store and click one button and install it. And you've got people around the world now who really their major way of working with uh, a computer, let's call it, is through their phone. And I hate to put it this way, but there's almost been a simplification process that's happened over the years because of of the iPhone and the iPad and Google and Android. It's all very simplified now. And I think that Linux, in order to attract more people, has to look at that simplified user base. And I think you've got a lot of questions to ask, too, of someone now where you've got people who just do everything through a browser, you know, for an example. So there is no one-size-fits-all distribution to hand somebody as a new user and say, here it is? No. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think you have to tailor it to the person. Um, the, the, that's like saying <laughs> there's a one-size-fits-all UI. How many people whine and complain and moan about like Windows and how you can't change anything and blah, 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 blah. Or go to, go to a Mac and see how much you can change there. <laughs> but isn't that unity for us, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm run- hey, thanks. I'm running KDE right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think the sad part is I think Unity has more options probably with after you install Unity Tweak than most of the other two major platforms. But anyway, um, I, th- I think you really do have to tailor your the OS to the person and what their needs are. So is there a desktop environment that you would pick because obviously you can pick a a distribution but you i guess would first need to pick the desktop environment you'd have to look at where they're coming from windows 7 ish you know even if you like that vomit inducing thing that is windows uh (laughs) windows 8.1 in the start menu for windows 10 uh if that is where you're coming from. Probably something like Ubuntu Mate would be my recommendation as of like, if you're looking for a full distro, but if you're just talking desktop, I'd go with Mate because you can give it that windows seven feel in the way, like with the, with the brisk menu and all that, all the other stuff that you can do with it. Um, you can morph it into more of how a user would expect it to be used, but it still understand that it's different. Matt, how about how many people would you say that you have helped uh, make the switch from whatever they were using before over to Linux? Um, I've probably helped switch over about a dozen people, give or take, for you know varying degrees of reasons um, over the but course of the years. Most of them Windows users, or did you have a few Mac users? Uh, I'm trying to remember, I, I've had a few people who like bounce in between. Not so much like they don't really rely. It's more the the programs that they use, not so much the OS. Okay. And would you say that, that there should be an expectation when you're going through that process 
uh, and I know it depends on the person, but it's not a, hey, I'm going to spend two hours with you and get you set up and good luck. We'll see you later. It's it's a long process, is it not? It is. It can be a very involved process. You have to – the ones that live in like a Windows and OS ten world or – sorry, Mac OS now. Um, they understand that things are there are different ways of doing things. Like they uh, they understand that. Um, the ones that are specifically coming from Windows or OS ten, they are very entrenched in the ways of how they do things. So you want to tailor those to that user. So from what I found is giving somebody a Debian or RPM based distro doesn't matter which one. Uh, flies better with the Windows crowd because that's more like EXEs and MSIs and all the other things that they're used to installing. Mac users give it something equivocal to an app store and they're 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 content. Um, you know, so give them a nice pretty GUI where all the repositories hide and don't give them Synaptic, which looks like completely functional, <laughs> but it looks like 1995 called. Um so, you know, you, I would probably direct them to something more towards, like, elementary OS, which has a great UI and all the other stuff that they do. Um, so my success rate is not, you know, as far as getting people to switch, is they have to be willing to try it themselves, though. Like, they have to be willing to understand that you have to have an open mind with it. Yeah, I think that's key, too, an open mind for sure. and. One of the things that we've all experienced, and I would venture to say practically every Linux user out there, with the exception of a few people like Richard Stallman, um, they have, you know, apps that they used in, say, Windows or Mac that they absolutely either A, enjoyed using, knew how to use very well, or it was a useful tool for them. In my case, for example, Outlook. That's something I had to overcome within Linux. Because, in my opinion, there's not an email application, an email suite even, that compares to the functionality of Outlook. I really enjoy using it. And we've all probably got bits and pieces of software that we've had to just overcome. And we either cope with it and figure out ways to to move on, or you, you never get past it. Did you have any instances where you had people calling you saying, Matt, I've got to go back to, you know, whatever they were using because they just couldn't overcome it. Yeah, there, you will run into that. Uh, there are, I don't want to call them esoteric. There are uh, singularities as far as applications that if they are, the substitutes that they found are not working for them, be it for workflow reasons or whatever, you have to understand that and not force them to take the change. Like, like uh, for me, for example, like, yes, I can, like you, Rob, I can work around, like, in KDN Live. Not my preferred video editor. Actually, most of my video editing is actually done on a Windows rig with uh, my preferred software on that. Rocco, let's edit that out oh of the show. Oh, my please. gosh. Oh. This is a Linux <laughs> show, Matt. <laughs> What the? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've always been the practicality user of. Uh, of there you go screen. again, being practical and going with what works. But no, your point. Listen, your point is there. Um, we've all faced that. Uh, I mean, that's just reality. Now, there comes a, a point though where you you get beyond that. You figured out ways around it, or you found substitutes that. Uh, after a period of use, you find that, hey, this is actually even better. But, you know, that's a dis- that's a discovery process. A lot of times that's something where you've got to spend months of, of time with that particular application before you truly appreciate it. But once you get to that point, um, there's a, a feeling of, of, and Rocco, you've said this, there's a feeling of freedom um, that now you're not dependent on that. And there are alternatives and there are options and it's, I can't really describe it. It's it, I guess freedom is the word that once you reach that point. 
that's the only thing that I can come up with to describe it. It's just the freedom that allows you to do with this system, this whatever you're running, with what you want with it. Where, as in Windows, you can only do what they allow you to do. But I'll go back to what you said and having an open mind where you have to have that open mind. Otherwise, you'll never get to that point of experiencing that freedom. If you're not flexible in trying new apps, now you may, you know, you talked about Outlook. And there are Linux alternatives. Now, for you, that may not be the best scenario to run. You may prefer to run Outlook, but you have to be flexible enough to at least try the other apps because you may find that some of them are better than what you're currently running. You may find that this one isn't, and I and I need to run, say, Outlook. That's my preferred application. But right. you at least need to have the flexibility and open mind in order to get to that point. Now, I think we've got some options, and Matt, I don't know you know how far back you've gone in, in helping people to switch over to Linux, but today we've got a lot more options um, especially on the enterprise side of things that don't tie you down like they used to. And I'll give you a prime example. Um, you know, there was a day when if you were in the business world, uh, you're more than likely running through an exchange system, a Microsoft exchange system. And, you know, you had to have outlook, you had to have exchange set up. Otherwise you weren't going to be able to communicate with the rest of your team. Well, today that's different in that you've got Google apps uh, you know, or the G Suite now. Like, I think they're calling it the G Suite or something like that. Uh, for enterprise, for business use, you've got lots of cloud options now that give you the ability to kind of embrace everything that you need to and kind of take it with you in the cloud, if you will. And you're not reliant on, well, I've got to have this one piece of software running on my Windows system. Otherwise, I can't communicate with the rest of my team. And so that, along with so much other, um, well, let me back up, that with so many other options of things that you can run in the cloud, I think really make it a lot easier for people to make that switch today. So would you all agree to that? Yeah, I would definitely agree that uh, as a whole, we're relying less on standard applications I mean, even email. Most people today, and that's why I guess, you know, Thunderbird doesn't get the support that it should really get, in my opinion, from Mozilla, where people are more relying on web-based email rather than having a standard application on their computer looking at their email. So I think we're definitely getting to the point where a lot of the operating system is going to be on the cloud or at least integrated to the cloud. <laughs> And that's a good thing, uh, but it the, but it then leads to certain applications maybe not getting developed the way they should, where people who are interested, like for you, for example, with Outlook, by now, I think that we should have been able to get Thunderbird to the point where it is comparable to Outlook in everything. Right. And we're just not there because, like I said, the the desire to have it run like that is not there because a lot of it is on the cloud. Yeah, and that's that's a perfect point in in that you know I could use evolution. Evolution's not bad, and it brings together the calendar and contacts and everything all in one. But because there are so many other options, I haven't really had to spend the time within evolution to get it all set up and make it as good as it possibly could be, you know, or to discover new things about it. And Matt, that brings. Uh, back to a point you talked about earlier where uh, you talked about patience. And, you know, none of us jumped into Linux on day one and said, oh, this is it. This I've is it. made the switch. And <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> First time I tried uh, Unity, I was like, what is this? And I went right back to Windows. <laughs> Now, you know, back in the day, uh, I'm going to go way back and, and tell my age here. It was a monumental thing. I mean, I would block out an entire weekend to get Linux up and running on my system. And still, half the time, my Wi-Fi driver would go out and I'd have to, you know, redo that. And, and uh, man, you're talking, I, I would spend hours just reading through 
the best way to get your uh, your drivers for your wireless working, you know, for your networking. And, um, you know, I didn't do a lot of distro hopping because I didn't have three days to kill to move from one <laughs> distro to the other. But that's how difficult it was. You would go to a a bulletin board and you would read through way more info than you ever expected, you know, to finally get to a solution. Or even one of so we. Or, yeah, that's exactly right. And so today, I think we've got so many more resources. Uh, you know, you've got YouTube out there not tooting our horns, but but you've got other YouTubers who get very technical. We're not very technical uh, with what we're doing. Well, Matt, you, you may be more technical than, than Rocco or I, but, but you've got a lot of resources out there now where um, – you can go to, you know, videos, you can go to websites. There are websites now that are just phenomenal the way they're laid out and everything. And uh, so I think we're at a time now to where it's easier than it's ever been, but you still have to fall back to, I think the basics. And one thing we didn't talk about is you, you must look at a person's hardware because now Linux is many distros are dropping support for 32 bit. Yep. Well, yep. I I had uh, a a guy that I wanted to switch over, and his his hardware is thirty two bit. So that's definitely something to look at. Definitely is. You know, like I said, this is why I say personally, like you have to tailor it to that person's unique situation and whatnot, because that's the the only way I found that you're going to have a successful switch, I guess. Um, or give them a successful journey into Linux anyway, is by tailoring it as much as like being the the techs that we are. Let's just be honest. Who, who gets called that? You know, my computer's broke. I know I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know that that is definitely keeping the open mind and making them understand that is where it really comes into play. So if we can narrow it down, what desktop environments would you not recommend? <laughs> I already know what you two would not recommend. <laughs> well, maybe we don't need to say what we wouldn't recommend. What would be the top two that you would recommend? If you're coming from... A Windows background, I would recommend Mate. If you're coming from a Mac background because you are used to an app store, you're used to design and you're used to a certain workflow that is Mac-esque, I would probably recommend Elementary. And yes, I understand those are both Debian-based distros for the most part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I would agree with you, Matt. I think uh, Mate is an excellent choice from the desktop perspective. And if I were to zero in on the best option with Mate, I think right now that has to be Ubuntu Mate. If you take a look at what's going on with the software boutique, uh, with just the way everything is put into place within Ubuntu Mate, that's what I started my wife with. She's running that now, her first time running Linux. Uh, She's actually ready to, I was pretty proud of her. She's actually ready to, uh, she came up, she said, do you think I should take a look at that arch thing you keep talking about? So, <laughs> so that's going to be an interesting uh, venture, but I would agree with you. I think right now my pick would be Ubuntu Mate for just, the, I'm going to say generally, because there's always going to be that exception to where the person says, I want to do this. Uh, you know, like if they're into video editing, for example, and, you know, they want, they want to focus in on all of this, editing and audio editing and things like that. Well, there are distros catered to that that you might explore, you know, so, uh, so I'm going to go with Ubuntu Mate. I would agree. Uh, now I'm not, I don't want to leave out like distributions or desktop environments like, well, we'll say desktop environments like XFCE where, you know, that would, that has its place for new users, especially with older hardware. There may be hardware that that's would be the best choice for it. But I will have to agree that Ubuntu Mate has to be the go-to thing for a new user on a general level, you know, with the exception of tailoring it to their specific needs with the software boutique, with all of the things they've done, with the flexibility that it has that you can make it look exactly the way you want it to look. I think that's the go-to one. 
What would be your number two, Matt? Elementary, hands down. Okay. Rocco? Well, I don't know if I would uh, go with it. Let's see. Number two. Hmm. Number two desktop environment or number two distro? Just in general. It could be either. You, you choose. It could be the combination. Well, I wouldn't go with elementary, and not because it doesn't look nice, because it looks beautiful, but because elementary tends to lock things down, and a new user may not be able to get around the way they want to in elementary. Um, I don't know. I never really thought about it. I guess I would have to go with something like Linux Mint would be my second choice for uh, a newer user because they customize it. Although I don't like everything about Linux Mint, they customize it for the new user. They put their own themes on. They put their own items in. Their software manager is not the prettiest software manager ever, but it is stable and it runs great. So I think Linux Mint would have to be the second choice. I think that's a good obvious choice, and I'm, I've got one that I think will surprise you. Um, it would take a little research to make sure that everything is there. Mm-hmm. But I think for a new user that Solus Budgie would also be an excellent choice. And I'll base that on a couple of things. The Budgie desktop is fairly straightforward and simple. Uh, if you're coming from Windows 7, the way you're able to put your icons in the panel and everything, you can find your way around, I think, pretty quickly with with the budgie desktop and then solus being every time i've used it it's it's got a stableness to it that i can't describe it's fast it's stable um you know it does does well with old hardware but the stipulation there is uh you have to make sure that the software that person's going to want is there yep yeah well that would be the only drawback to using solus because otherwise if they're just a user that just goes on browses the web and checks their email, that that is a great choice. But if they need specific software, that kind of limits the use of Solus. Right. Right. Well, um, you know, this is a, a discussion that I think there's never one answer to because you've got so many variables in place. You've you know, One of the age-old problems, I think, in Linux is we've got so much choice. Uh, Why? Why I do love... we have so much choice? <laughs> I choice love is bad. <laughs> choice is good, Matt. <laughs> choice is good. Bad. <laughs> I love having that choice. I mean, it, it. You know, and you know, we wouldn't have YouTube channels if we didn't have that choice. Otherwise, we'd be continually doing videos on Ubuntu Unity and how you wow. can change the icons in Unity. Could you imagine? That's terrible. That's a terrible thought. <laughs> I was going to say, I can show you the Unity desktop if you guys just want it. <laughs> Not that you would run Unity or anything, right, Matt? I'll have you know it works great <laughs> on that 20, 21 by 9 aspect ratio laptop. Yes, for the two people that have that aspect ratio, it probably runs good. You and another person. <laughs> That's right. I, I probably own the two models that they sold. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, Matt, always enjoy the conversation, and you know, hopefully, there are people out there that are listening to this podcast that you know they're exploring the thought of looking at using Linux as their operating system, or or perhaps you know just dual booting. And what would you say to someone out there now who um, is really at that point where they're they're fed up with Windows ten, perhaps, or uh, you know, they, they heard that Windows 7 will not be supported by Microsoft in the future, and they're ready to look for an alternative. What would you say to that person? If you're looking to make the switch and you're looking at Linux, keep an open mind uh, and patience, because if you've looked at Mac or if you use that Mac, you know it's different. Do not expect things to work as they do in Windows, I don't go into Mac OS or Linux expecting one to work like the other. It doesn't work that way. Good advice. Rocco, any advice? I would just, uh, well, echo to have an open mind, but be flexible in your choices uh, in what you try so that you can actually discover an application that may outperform the one that you currently use. 
Well, I'll sum it up with if you're on a quest, I, I had to figure out a way to plug that. If you're <laughs> on a quest to uh, find out more about Linux, take your time. There's lots of resources out there now. Um, you know, take your time, be patient. Um, and, you know, as you said, Matt, keep an open mind. Don't expect things to be perfect out of the box. And embrace it. Look at it as not this daunting task that you could never recover from. Look at it as as a learning experience. Look at it as a way to um, discover new things, I would say, you know, and, and keep it fun. So that'd be my advice. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Matt, and uh, having a discussion with us. I appreciate the invite, guys. It's always a good time. All right, Matt. Thanks, man. All right, bye. See you.